Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast from November 28th, 2017. Short five-game slate. Hopefully we get some uh, better injury reporting than we had for Monday. Where, Well, some of it wasn't even injury reporting. The, the, uh, the uh, Andre Iguodala thing where Iguodala was doubtful to play and then was just playing five minutes before the game. I mean, I know that doubtful doesn't necessarily totally mean that somebody's out, but I mean, how often does it happen in football or basketball where somebody's doubtful and plays? It happens like maybe twice all year. And then also we just had Patrick McCaw start at point guard over Sean Livingston, which was really annoying, and there was no indication of that before the game started. So hopefully we get none of that shenanigans tonight. So first game on the slate, Miami Heat at the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs are playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. The Heat, uh, slightly above average defensive team. The Cavs have moved all the way up to second in defensive efficiency now. They are on fire on defense. They've moved all the way up from 30th to 29th. And so for the Heat, it's a good spot for them. But there's nobody who I look at the pricing of and say, like, oh, I'm really interested in that guy. There's, it's just a lot of fair pricing. I mean, White Sod's 8500 he has upside. The issue is his minutes have been way down recently. Last few games, 22 minutes, 28 minutes, 24 minutes, 21 minutes. So you can't count on him to play a lot. So uh, I, I don't really think there's anybody who's a particularly strong target on the Heat. And then from the Cavs side, we have the second game of back-to-back. So fatigue could be a slight issue. And then also just a negative pace and then slightly difficult defensive matchup for them. I think LeBron's always in play for every slate, but 11,300. I think that's a little much considering there isn't really a ton of value available right now. So LeBron, if there was to be a bunch of injury news and somebody's available, he'd be in play. But for right now, I think it's going to be really tough to roster him. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, there aren't any of those cheap value guys yet that we're seeing where you definitely need to pay up for an expensive player. So I think using LeBron isn't really the best idea for this slate. And it is the second game of a back-to-back um, what about the revenge narratives for the Cavs, though? We have LeBron, who I guess once played for the Heat, and Dwayne Wade, who more recently played for the Heat. Do you uh, give any sort of weight to any of that in terms of shot attempts? Because I do think that'll drive up ownership a bit. So maybe it's just uh, the bottom line there is that it's good to fade them just because they may be higher owned in GPPs than they ordinarily would be. Yeah, uh don't care about the revenge narrative at all. Uh, also, like none of these players were even on the Heat when LeBron was there. Uh, it's pretty irrelevant overall. Just, I mean, the real issue is just going to be I don't think there's going to be enough value to comfortably fit LeBron in. And just in a points-per-dollar sense for the slate tomorrow, he doesn't really look like an overall strong play. So next game, we'll move on to Phoenix Suns at the Chicago Bulls. This is going to be my favorite game to target for tomorrow. From the Phoenix Suns' point of view, we have Devin Booker is questionable to play with a toe injury. He did say it felt better today, and he's hopeful to play tomorrow. So I would say in the questionable scale, I'd say he's probably like 75% likely to play, but I still think there's a pretty good chance he sits. If he's out, then TJ Warren would see a pretty decent bump in usage. Uh, Tyler Eulis would probably have a little bit more secure minutes. And I think Troy Daniels could potentially end up starting a shooting guard in place of Booker. So Troy Daniels has been, I mean, he doesn't really do much other than score. But with that said, he is only priced at 3300 I think that for his price, he'd probably be the best value play on the slate if he starts a shooting guard just because he'd be a shooter locked in the minutes at that cheap. Uh, anyway, TJ Warren, I think, is in play. 
from the other issue with the Suns, though, is I, even though I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, this is the best game on the slate. The issue is I forgot that, like, on the surface it is, but the Suns just play everybody, like, 20 to 25 minutes like the Nets do. So TJ Warren, I'm really comfortable is going to play minutes. Other than that, there's nobody who I look at, and I'm really confident is going to play decent amount from the Chicago Bulls side of the game. The, the Bulls kind of have a core group of guys now who we could look at and say, like, oh, this guy's going to get minutes. Laurie Markkinen should play a lot. He's in play. Denzel Valentine's been playing a ton of minutes lately, and he's actually been playing really well. I think that he's a pretty good play at 5,600. Uh, Justin Holiday, 5,500. I think he's kind of a fringy-type play. He has not hit value in very many games this year, except he doesn't have too many duds either. But we could count on him to play decent minutes in a plus matchup. This is pretty much as good of a matchup as anybody could get. The Phoenix Suns are one of the worst defensive teams in the league and play one of the fastest paces. So overall, really strong matchup for the Bulls. My favorite targets are going to be Markinen and Denzel Valentine. Yeah, I'm more interested in the Bulls side of the game too, and Valentine probably is my favorite player from the game. It is a little frustrating that there just aren't really good value guys on Phoenix because this sets up as a really stackable game. It's not a game where there really should be a blowout because both teams are very bad. And even though the over-under for the game will probably only be in the 215 to 220 range, the over-under probably undersells the fantasy potential for this game um, because the reason that it's a lower than it's not you know one of the highest totals of the season is because the teams are just bad at offense. There's going to be plenty of pace to this game, uh, so there should be plenty of other stats that are in points, a lot of block steals, re- especially rebounds with all the missed shots. So there is a lot of fantasy potential, but... It is annoying that the Phoenix prices are just kind of fair. So, I I mean, it's probably a lot better if Devin Booker doesn't play and then there's all of that extra usage and a lot of extra minutes for guys that don't ordinarily take a lot of shots for Phoenix. Um, So this game becomes a much better target if Booker doesn't play. And I think if he does play, I might just be limited to the Chicago side for the most part and then just some exposure to Phoenix, but not a whole lot. Yeah, well, Booker would be in play for me if he goes, because Booker's been really good overall this year from a DFS perspective. He's not necessarily the most efficient NBA, but he takes a lot of shots. He's pretty uh, fantasy-friendly game. So at uh, what was 8,100, I think that he'd be a fair play. Uh, next game on the slate, the Washington Wizards at the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the injury news from the Washington side, this isn't really new injury news, but uh, John Wall's out for two weeks. He missed the last game. So Tim Frazier starts in this place. Frazier, 4,100, I think that he's a decent play. The other thing also is from the Minnesota side of the game, which I'll talk about in a second. Jeff Teague is questionable to play with an Achilles injury. He's missed the last couple games. So Tim Frazier going up against Tyus Jones, that's a a definite upgrade in matchup as opposed to having to go up against Jeff Teague. And then also Bradley Beal at 7,900. That's a strong play. Beal, massive usage boost without, uh, without Wall on the court. And Bradley Beal, I think he scored... If I'm not mistaken, at least 45 fantasy points in every game that John Wall's missed so far this year. So Beal at 7,900, strong play. Uh, Otto Porter gets a usage boost for that wall. And the Markeith Morse at 4,700, he no longer has the minutes restriction that he had earlier in the year. Last couple games, uh, 34 minutes and 30 minutes. So with extra minutes and extra usage with that wall out, I like uh, Markeith Morris at that price. From the Minnesota side of the game, like I said, Jeff Teague is questionable to play. If he doesn't play, it's going to be another start for Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones started last game without Teague. He played 39 minutes at 43 fantasy points. The game before without Teague, played 33 minutes for 32 fantasy points. So Tyus Jones, 4,300. Strong play if, if, uh, if Teague is out. The other thing also is if you look at the defensive numbers for the Wizards, 
They've been good against point guards this year, but a lot of that is because John Wall is one of the better point guard defenders in the league. With him out and Tim Frazier there, I would consider this to be a plus matchup for Tyus Jones or Jeff Teague as opposed to a negative matchup. Another thing also is Jimmy Butler at 7,600. I think that he's a solid play. Uh, he's been much better over the last couple weeks, much higher usage rating. Uh, he's actually had a usage rating over 20 in something like 10 games in a row after like his first 10 games on the Timberwolves. He only did that twice. So much more involved in the offense, bigger role for him now. So I like Jimmy Butler at 7,600. Well, I am uh, wondering a bit about Jimmy Butler's increased role potentially if Teague doesn't play, but I agree with you. I like Butler anyway. Um, Tyus Jones, yeah, that's an obvious play that people will miss if they just look at ease rankings by position because, yeah, it definitely makes sense. Without John Wall, the Wizards won't be that good defending point guards. Um, For cheap value guys on this slate, I guess, they'll probably both come from this game. Well, Tim Frazier regardless because we already know that Wall is out. But Tyus Jones probably is that number one cheap value guy to target if Teague isn't playing. So both of those guys could be those cheap plugins we're looking for. And Bradley Beal, yeah, that's that's a pretty obvious pick. I think that could be my favorite player on the slate. I think we're going to be looking at some balanced lineups, and that means we need a lot of players in the mid-price range. And Bradley Beal at 7900 I think he's going to fit into lineups easily. He's not that expensive, and without Wall, he's just a really safe bet and a lot of upside, too. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, like I was saying, he scored uh... – I mean, he's averaging close to something like 50 fantasy points for that wall this year. So definitely value in his price at 7,900, usage rating over 30% with that wall on the court this year. And next game on the slate, Denver Nuggets at the Utah Jazz. So from the Denver side, I think Nikola Jokic isn't played at 8,700. The real question with the Nuggets here is what is their starting lineup going to look like? Because the first few games that Paul Millsap missed, they were starting Will Barton and going with a small ball lineup, and then last game they decided, hey, screw the Will Barton lineup, we're starting uh, Kenneth Freed instead. Will Barton's minutes went from uh, 37 minutes, 36 minutes, to 17 minutes off the bench last game. So we kind of have to pay attention to, is Denver going to play a big lineup, or are they going to play a small lineup? Because if they play a big lineup, uh, Kenneth Freed, let's see how many minutes did Freed play last game. Freed played 31 minutes. So if Freed is going to be a starter... I think he's in play at 3,900. If Will Barton is starting, I think he's in play at 6,300. The other thing to keep in mind is that Wilson Chandler is questionable. He left last game early with, what was it, uh, I think back spasms or something like that. So if he can't play, Barton probably starts regardless and is a good play. But either way, I'm, I'm definitely going to be paying attention to his Freed the starter, is Barton the starter, or is Chandler out, and they're both starting. Whoever starts, I think, is in play, and I'm not going to touch whoever comes off the bench for the Nuggets. From the Utah Jazz side of the game, uh, a lot of fair pricing. Joe Ingles seems pretty cheap at 4800 because he's been really good lately. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's his last few games, uh, 29 fantasy points, 28 a dud in there, where he scored 11, but that was also a game where they got blown out. Then 24 fantasy points, 34. So I think Joe Ingles at 4800 that's pretty cheap for him, and that is the cheapest he's been all uh, cheap as he's been since the first week of the season. So Joe Ingles is in play. Uh, I think Ricky Rubio, he has not played a lot of minutes lately. A lot of it's just because he hasn't played well. But at 5,400 on a short slate, there's a lot of upside in Rubio. He wouldn't be a cash game play because there there is the risk that he just doesn't play well again and the minutes are down. 
But Rubio is the starting point guard. If he plays well in what is a plus matchup against the Nuggets, then they're going to leave him on the court. So he's going to get first crack at, at playing point guard. And I, I think there's a pretty good chance he does well in this matchup. There's a lot of upside in him at 5,400, even though there is a decent amount of downside. Yeah, I think there's some upside in Rubio, too, and definitely agree with you on Joe Ingles. That does seem really cheap for him. Um, Jokic, I think people realize the Jazz are worse defensively without Rudy Gobert, but that effect seems to be at least a little bit lost still. Um, I think we're definitely going to be targeting for, as long as Gobert is out, the opposing centers, and Jokic is already a really strong play in just about every matchup. So 8700 for him, I think that's really usable price and it's just without Gobert playing I mean any center against the Jazz gets a big bump but especially someone like Jokic who actually scores a lot is the focal point of the offense Um, so Jokic is the guy I'm most interested in for this game but definitely agree with you on some cheap to mid-priced Jazz guys and it does seem like the the sharp money likes Utah for this game so maybe that's a little bit of a knock on Jokic but they've already moved from minus one to minus two uh, maybe Paul Millsap being out hurts Denver's defense or just hurts Denver overall. I'm not sure, but what do you think the roster construction or I guess the ability of the Nuggets, how much are they impacted by not having Paul Millsap there? Well, it hurts a lot, except he's been out for, what, like a week and a half now? So it's it's not really something that I would look at as this is an immediate change for them tomorrow because it's it's been an ongoing thing that they've already been dealing with. They're definitely worse, uh, but I think the one think from a fantasy perspective that doesn't really kill them is that they play at a faster pace without Millsap. They went from being, I think, second in pace last year to being slightly below average this year. And that was almost all because of how many set plays they run for Millsap where they give him the ball in the post and he does a lot of just kind of standing with the ball. So they play at a faster pace without Millsap. So I, I think that the any hurt that it has for them on defense is kind of negligible from a DFS perspective. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So I guess that's a that's an even more that's even more of a boost to their opponents because if they're worse at defense and playing faster, then it becomes much more of a plus matchup for anyone they're playing against. So even though we've seen this for a week and a half, I think the public probably just doesn't realize this effect in full. So it might be a bigger boost for the Jazz than most people realize. All right, last game on the slate, just the five-gamer. Milwaukee Bucks, the Sacramento Kings. So we have Giannis Antetokounmpo at 11200 If I'm paying up for somebody, I prefer Giannis to LeBron. Uh, the Kings are playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. The Bucks are coming in fresh. And I think a lot of people might look at oh, only 198.5 point uh, over-under and say this is going to be a really low-pace game. The Bucks play at a slow pace. Every game they play is slow. It doesn't affect Giannis. He kills pretty much everybody. So I think that he's a fine play. Bledsoe and Middleton are both a little bit priced up because of the extra production they had when Giannis was out. And then from the Kings side of the game, it's just really hard to trust anybody from them. Uh, maybe a short slate you could throw De'Aaron Fox into a GPP lineup, maybe a Willie Cauley-Stein. But the issue is just that it's similar to teams like the Suns or like what we saw with the Nets today. They play a lot of guys, and nobody plays a ton of minutes, and it's just different every night. So some nights somebody will play 25 minutes, and then the next night they only play 19 minutes. So it's really difficult to predict the rotations. It's really difficult to predict the minutes. So I prefer to go somewhere else where I feel a little bit better about the situation in the minutes where I feel like I'm getting more consistent production. Yeah, I think that's fair, and... I don't know. I'm, this game doesn't really look that appealing, and I guess paying up for Giannis probably isn't the way to go just because there aren't those cheap value guys like we talked about. 
I have no problem with the Bucks, but I think we'll just be finding ourselves in other spots. Um, and yeah, the Kings again. It's just it's just really hard to figure out what's going on there. They actually have played reasonably well against the Warriors. We're recording this. It's late in the third quarter now, and the Kings have actually had the lead for several different points of the game. They're down seven now, late in the third. Uh, but I don't think that should fool anyone. This is all of a sudden a team that can stay in games and doesn't have a lot of blowout risk because they're playing against mostly the Warriors' backups. They definitely still have a pretty good chance to get blown out by Milwaukee, and it's also the second game of a back-to-back for them. Um, they're only seven-point underdogs, so they probably won't get blown out, but it's more likely than probably any other team on this slate. Yeah, and just that the Kings seem to get blown out very often. They're playing the tail end of a back-to-back. The Bucks are fresh. I don't know why it is that the Kings just get smashed more often than any other team, but they have more 15-point losses than any team in the league. It's not enough Costa Cufas. I think that's the reason. they got to play them more to stay in games. Probably not the reason. But that will <laughs> wrap up today's podcast. Do you follow me on Twitter at GRNBergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense. We'll be back tomorrow.